pleasant afternoon, my beloved brothers and sisters. I welcome you once again to another episode, this presentation, this podcast. Listen to the book. Today's date is the sixth day in the month of May in the year of our Lord 2021. <clears throat> I am your Bible coach, your host, Brother Benji Stubbs, coming all the way from the beautiful city, Freeport, Grand the Bahama, in the islands of the Bahamas. I trust that you had a wonderful week thus far. And as usual, we're thankful for this occasion that God has spared our lives to come once again and listen to the book. As usual, we are thankful to have our regular reader with us today in the person of Mrs. Precious S. Sturrup. And we trust that as we come together and delve more into the book of Isaiah, we're studying, as you recall, you may recall, the gems from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the gospel prophet. And in these two chapters, chapter 5 and chapter 6, we're going to glean a few very prominent and poignant, um, I should say, messages that God has for his people. We'll talk about some woes and we'll talk about the holiness of God. And so without any further um, comment, I welcome you to this Listen to the Book. And once again, thank you for joining us at this particular segment. Um, I should mention up front, for those of you who are interested, um, we are able to get your calls, receive your, your questions at Listen to the Book on our WhatsApp number, 242, area code uh, 441, and it's 6120. That's 441 6120. 20 area code 242 in the Bahamas. And we'd also like to mention um, that we do appreciate those of you that take the time to hear and share, listen to the book. And it is our hope that together as we read the book of God, listen to the Spirit of God, that all our hearts would be enriched and I should say blessed by the presence of His Holy Word, Spirit and His Word. Okay, let's get now into the book of Isaiah chapter 5, and we're going to ask you now to turn your ears, incline your ears, and listen to the Word of God. Yes, listen to the book. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a fruit, very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof. This is a very familiar passage. To those persons who know about vineyards in the land of Israel, this is what the Bible refers to as a funeral dirge or a funeral song. And it is God the Father singing about his beloved son. That's why it says, now will I sing of my well-beloved. And as you recall, when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice that came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so here we have the same language being used here. In chapter 5. Also on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John saw the Lord um, glorified to the point where they said his clothes was whiter than snow, whiter than any fuller on earth could whiten it. And again the voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And so here God the Father is singing this funeral song, if you please, concerning how his own people who the beloved 
Savior set up as a vineyard and grew good grapes. But the song goes on to say that the vineyard turned out to be a disaster. The fruit was not acceptable. And eventually God had to destroy that vineyard. Referring to the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah in the days of Titus, when he destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70. But then there's more to come. Because God says later in this chapter that he pronounces at least five woes on his people for their indolence, their obstinacy, and their blatant rebellion against the book, the word of God. Let's turn now to the first woe in this chapter. Listen to the book. Woe unto them that join house to house. That lay field to field. This is a woe. Woe unto them that join house to house and lay field to field. In other words, these um, real estate um, developers, all they want to do is buy everybody land. God pronounces a woe because the intent is to make people poor and rich people, all they want is land and property. God said this is a woe unto them that join house to house and field to field. And they're just depriving and taking away people's rights. Listen to the next book. Listen to the book. Till there be no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. The Bible says that we are reminded that if we pursue wine and strong drink, from early in the morning until night, God pronounces a woe. This attitude of party until the sunrise is not from God. It is a woe on all, says the scriptures, those who have midnight parties in the backyard or wherever. God says this is not what he would have us to be. Listen to the book. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope. This is very serious business. God says, woe for those who take sin lightly. They draw, he says, iniquity as with a cart rope. And they pile it on, one sin after the next, as if there's no tomorrow, as if there is no judgment, as if there's no accountability. God says, woe, because the time will come when there will be a, a judgment on all those who sin without impunity, who sin willy-nilly, who sin without... Well, it's just a sin. There's nothing to it. But listen to the book. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. What is this telling us? Woe unto them that call evil good. You look at something, you know it's evil, but for the sake of policy or what they call political correctness, you say it's good. But in the sight of God and man, it is evil. And it's evil for us to call something evil when it is good. We see something good because we don't like that person or we don't like that agency or that company or that group of believers. We call them evil and we know they are good. The Bible says, woe unto such that do these things. Listen to the book. That put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, if we are re reversing the order of God, God calls it a condemnation. Let good be good. Let evil be evil. Let light be light. Let darkness be darkness. Let rich be rich. And then let poor be poor, but not in the spirit. Listen to the book. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes, 
and prudent in their own sight. This is a condemnation for those people who think they know it all. They got it all. My brothers and sisters, this reminds us of Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus himself condemns his church, this last day church, even this Seventh-day Adventist church. When he says, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How are we blind? We are blind to the truth. We believe we have all the truth. We don't need nothing else. How are we poor? We're poor in spirit. We have no spirit of God in us. We're following our own imaginations. We're following, the Bible says, the same book says, we're following the sparks of our own kindling. We light our own fires. And then we do things that we think nobody else can see. And the Bible says we are naked. Not physically naked, but naked in the righteous, without the righteousness of Christ. The only righteousness we have is our own nakedness we're born with. And the Bible says this is not good. God pronounces a woe on such and one as this. Listen to the book. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. My brothers and sisters, we are commanded even in the book of Proverbs, Wine is a marker, says the wise man, and strong drink is raging, telling us that there's a distinction in the Bible between wine. As a matter of fact, there are three types of wine in the book of God. Unfermented wine, fermented wine, and then, of course, wine we call strong drink. And the Bible here pronounces a woe on them who inflame themselves with wine and strong drink. Either one, God condemns plainly in his word. And we have to accept what God says rather than what the scientists would say from France or any other nation. Whoa, listen to the book. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Why was it important for Isaiah to mention, uh, Isaiah to mention in the year that King Uzziah died? In the book of Chronicles and in Second Kings, it tells us that Hosiah was an excellent king. He was one of Israel's best kings. My God, to think about it. His father was a mess, but Isaiah was a good king. Good King Isaiah, they called him. And he was blessed by God. And he lived to be one of the longest serving kings in the whole nation of Judah. But like so many kings before him, Isaiah, when he was strong and popular, he thought that he was invincible. And he did something that nobody should have done, not even the king. He felt, God loves me. God has given me a good kingdom. All my enemies coming down to worship me. He went into the temple of God and he took a censer and then wanted to be the priest. God gave him the kingship, but he wanted to be a priest too. And the Bible says when he came into the temple, at least 80 priests stopped him and said, Now, Isaiah, you know you're wrong, right? You know you're going to hell. It's not for you to be offering no sacrifices in God. That's the, that's the proper function of the priests, not the king. And the Bible says the king was mad. As if to say, he says, I'm the king. I can do this. And as he was about to offer incense, the Bible says a leprosy appeared on him instantly. He turned white as snow. And the priests were horrified. When they looked at him and pointed at him, he looked at himself, and from black he went straight to white. And he ran out of the temple, and from that day until he died, the Bible says he died a leper. God struck him. God taught him a lesson. The lesson is for us, my brothers and sisters, even though we are close to God, 
and we grow close to God, we must be mindful every day. Lest the devil usurp us, undermine us, and we lose our way and lose all our religion and do and disobey that which is not right in the sight of God. And so God cursed Isaiah. And Isaiah was puzzled. And that's why he says here in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died. He was puzzled. He wanted to know how could God kill such a good king. I mean, it was only one sin, but God would have us know he does not parley with sin. And God is not a respected persons. Whether you be king or peasant, God holds us to the same standing. God could not excuse Uzziah because he was king and he'd done a lot of good righteous things before. God says in his word, the Lord is not mock. God is not mock. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And God left on record for us this example of this good king, that regardless of how good you are, if you're not walking with him daily, you can stumble and fall and lose your soul. Listen to the book. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. Please note that these are seraphims, not cherubims. Later in the book of Ezekiel, you'll find the same God sitting on another throne, but this time four cherubims. This one has six seraphims. And so we know that um, these two thrones are two of the what we call movable thrones of God. As a matter of fact, when you read your Bible, the Bible tells us that God has four thrones, two stationary and two movable. This is one of God's movable thrones that he's sitting on. And he came to the house of God in Jerusalem. Isaiah must have been on his knees praying. And then God gave him this vision. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. In other words, he saw God in control. God was not sitting down with his hand under his chin thinking what to do next. High and exalted. Lifted up, the Bible says. And his presence and glory filled the whole temple like smoke. And Isaiah was privy to see this experience. Listen now to his own testimony. Listen to the book. And between he did cry. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. This is what happens to every individual who comes in contact with God. You feel your sense of unworthiness. You feel your sense of nothingness. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say that he felt like he was corruption. This is the natural experience that happens to every man or woman that comes in contact with the true divine presence of God. You feel your communists go into vapor. You feel as if you're nothing less than dirt. And so Isaiah had this experience. He felt like he said his whole body was in corruption. And somebody might say, well, Isaiah, you are the prophet of God. How you could feel that way? And he says, understand, when you come in contact with the Most High God, you feel like you are nothing. And he cries out, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, my mouth is dirty. I curse and lie and make bad comments. Woe is me. 
See, I could do that to you and get away with it. But when you have one standing in the presence of a holy God, holy, holy, holy God, all your sins are exposed. All your, your inadequacies, uh, uh, they come to the surface. All your defects are identified. And you have nowhere to hide. You can't, you want to hide, you want to get away from this holy presence. And Isaiah found himself stuck in the presence of holiness. And his only response was, I'm done. I'm finished. I could die. Listen to the book. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away. This is what God wants for you and I. We need to be purified as we stand before holy God. If we have sin in our lives, we cannot stand before a holy God. It is impossible. The very sin in our lives will destroy us. Because the presence of God is like a heat-seeking missile. Wherever sin is, it destroys sin. And for those who hold on to sin, when the glory of God is revealed, just the glory of God will destroy the sin and the sinner, the person who holds on to sin. And so Isaiah had that experience. And so God in his mercy sent a seraphim and gave, as it were, a demonstration of what it means to be holy. He touched his lips. In other words, he sanctified his lips. He purified his lips. He purged his sins so that he can stand to continue a conversation with the Holy God. And thus it is with us, my brothers and sisters. You and I should make it our duty that we are living a life free from sin. The Bible calls it in Revelation chapter 14, without guile in their mouth. Guile means sin and corruption and filth and dirt and um, reproach and rebellion. Anything in our lips, in our thoughts, because the book says, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what comes out of your mouth is coming from your heart. And so for that reason, we pray like the psalmist, O Lord, create in me a clean heart and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Without a clean heart, we can't speak clean words. If we have a filthy heart, we will think filthy, we will speak filthy, we will do filthy. And so Isaiah is leaving on record for us what God desires us to have and to do and to practice. To have our lips purified, thus to have our hearts purified, so that we can stand before a holy, just God. Listen to the book. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their eyes, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Amen. This is a message for us today, as we end here today. Listen what um, the prophet says to us. Isaiah said to the response of God, Who will go for us? And he did as each of us should do today. As it were, raise our hands and say, 
I'm right here, Lord. I'm available. Send me. And he says, what should I say, Lord? He said, go and tell these people that they could hear, but they still can't hear. They could see, they still can't see. They understand, but they have no understanding. In other words, too much hearing has left people deaf. They've heard the Bible, they've heard the gospel, and they still don't make a change. Too much seeing has left people blind. They've seen the goodness of God. They've seen the power of God, yet they still don't see. And too much singing and being converted, and every time there's a preacher preaching, they change their hearts, and then the next day they're back in sin again. God say, I'm tired of it. That's enough. So tell them. They can't change no more. It's too late. And that is the sad message that God has for the people of God on the earth today. God is saying, if I do this to them, they will not get converted because they have been hearing too much. They've been seeing too much, praying too much. You ever heard people who pray? They pray long and solemn prayers. And then they get up on their knees and they do the same thing the next day. God says, I have enough of it. And so Isaiah has left on record for us a sentence of judgment for those who would have been heavy with hearing the word of God, blinded by seeing the goodness of God, and weak by walking supposedly in the way of God. So may God bless you today, my brothers and sisters, as we give heed to the book. And as mentioned earlier, if you wish to contact us, our contact numbers are 242, area code 441. 6120 at WhatsApp and at landline it is 242-602-1203. May God bless you as you take time today to listen to the book. Amen.